Who is my neighbor? The lawyer asks Jesus. That's the question that opens arguably the most famous of Jesus's parables or Jesus's stories, the parable of the Good Samaritan. If you've not had a chance yet, I, I highly recommend that you watch uh, Pastor Charlie's sermon on this parable from August 20th. It is incredibly powerful. I have to confess, I didn't really watch uh, Mr. Rogers growing up. I was more interested in He-Man and, and Transformers and, and GoBots. And so watching someone like uh, Mr. Rogers, really just anything on PBS, um, just seemed kind of slow and, and quiet. And I would watch Sesame Street, but, you know, Mr. Rogers, I think, came on before or after that. Um, and and I, ne- I just I never really got into it. Just the the soft spokenness, the the silence, the the slow rhythm, and just it just kind of seemed odd to me. But there were moments I remember in the few times that I did watch uh, Mister Rogers before I changed the channel. Um, there was something that connected with me, or where there was something that grasped me, and maybe it was just something I wasn't ready yet to experience. And maybe we know what that is like. So Mr. Rogers, if you didn't know, um, was uh, in the midst of becoming an ordained Presbyterian minister, which he did. But at the same time, he was doing this in the advent of television, becoming much more widespread and mainstream and accessible uh, to the country. And as he got exposed to uh, television, he started becoming um, enamored about what television could do for so many people, mainly, particularly children. And so rather than going into uh, being a local pastor in a local Presbyterian church, he decided to go into television. He started first in a uh, kind of a, a normal everyday children's show that you might see. And when he realized that wasn't enough, he started producing and performing and being a part of his own show called Mr. Rogers Neighborhood. And in the midst of all that, in the midst of the puppets, in the midst of the songs, in the midst of the guests, he would also speak about reality to what it was that children were going through in a way that they could understand. And not just how to be a good neighbor, not just how to be polite, but he talked about war. He talked about racism. He talked about the challenger exploding in front of a country, a world that was watching. He talked about 9-11. He talked about it in ways that children could understand because he knew and he believed and he honored the fact that children were thinking about these things, even if they were different than grown-ups. On May 1st, 1969, Mr. Rogers went before a Senate subcommittee based on uh, then-President Richard Nixon's desire to cut PBS's funding from $20 million to $10 million because Uh, President Nixon believes that there were other ways to use television. And so for two days, this subcommittee, which was chaired by uh, Senator Pastore, um, who didn't really like being there, and he was very upfront about that, he spent the first two days listening to people from PBS basically read their testimony, one after another after another. And you could tell that he had pretty much already made up his mind. And then Mr. Rogers sat down and he said... I trust that you will read my report. I'm not going to read it to you. I just want to tell you how important this is to me. Mr. Rogers says, I feel that if we in public television can only make it clear that feelings are mentionable and manageable, 
we will have done a great service for mental health. I think it's much more dramatic that two men could work out their feelings of anger than showing something of gunfire. This was 1969. And if you watch this, and and I recommend that you do, it's about seven minutes long, it's on YouTube, you can watch the whole interaction, and and you can just see Senator Pastore, who is known for being impatient, who is known for being a curmudgeon, you can just see him change. He says, after Mr. Rogers finished, you know, I'm supposed to be a pretty tough guy. And this is the first time in the last two days I have had goosebumps. I think what you're doing is wonderful. I guess you have earned your $20 million. Fred Rogers had a way of changing people simply by his presence. His quiet Non-anxious voice, his, his demeanor, just who he was nearly affected everyone. But I think his even greater power was how he saw the world, not just as it was, but also what it could be. Fred Rogers saw possibilities and wanted to share them in ways that none of us were able to do quite the same. And the way that he was able to share them, he actually impacted that very change that he wanted to make. And when he talked about things, it wasn't just the small things, the quiet things. He would talk about segregation. He would talk about what does it mean to live in a world where people, based on their color, based on their identity, could not be in the same place at the same time. And this is how he responded. Oh, there's Officer Clemens. Hi, Officer Clemens. Come Hello, in. Rogers, how are you? Fine. Won't you sit down? Oh, sure. Just for a moment. It's so warm. I was just uh, putting some water on my feet. Oh, it sure is. Would you like to join me? It looks awfully enjoyable, but I don't have a towel or anything. Oh, you share mine. Okay. Sure. Oh, Come along. Man. I'll put some more water in here. Oh. That feels great. <laughs> You know, when you're a policeman, you do an awful lot of walking. And sometimes your feet get tired. Right. That feels better already. Good. So imagine living in a world where you have been told that people can't go in the same pool because of the color of their skin. Imagine seeing someone of a different color being a police officer and the two of them sitting in the same pool. The lawyer in Luke's gospel says, so who is my neighbor? And of course, that's the wrong question. But Jesus doesn't doesn't just come out and say, that's the wrong question for you to ask. He asks Jesus, Jesus asks the lawyer when he tells this story, who was a neighbor to the person who was hurt? Who was a neighbor to the person who needed help? And when Jesus says this, he reorients the whole thing. He reorients the conversation and he reorients this conversation away from the lawyer thinking, well, tell me who I can push aside. Tell me who I can limit. Tell me who I don't have to be responsible for. See, the lawyer wants to have Jesus define who deserves love. 
And Jesus's parable, his story suggests that love seeks out neighbors. Love seeks out other people to receive compassion and care, even when these are there are these established boundaries that limit and separate and push people away. So hopefully in the last few years, we have done a better job of talking about why this story is so important and why Jesus uses the heroic character as a Samaritan. So there's a very quick brush through. Jesus is telling this story to fellow Israelites, to the people of the Jewish community. And to people of the Jewish community, Samaritans were the enemy. They were considered unclean. They were considered simpletons. They were considered not to be trusted. They were unworthy. And so in Mr. Rogers' show, in his ministry, we are given a 20th century glimpse into not just what it means to be a good neighbor. Mr. Rogers showed us what it means to be a Samaritan. Someone who notices us. Someone who gets involved with us. Someone who sees us as worthy of love and does something to show it. So imagine. Or in the words of Mr. Rogers, let us go to the land of make-believe. And let us make-believe that the person who responds to you in need is your worst enemy. Pretend that person, that person who you despise, that person who you can't stand, that person that you never want to interact with, whether it's your own experience or someone has taught that to you. Imagine, pretend, make believe that is the one who comes to you when you are in need of love, of care, of noticing. Imagine that person kneeling down to your level. Rubbing oil on your wounds, the oil of your enemy seeping in to your wounds and being treated with love and care and grace. The way Mr. Rogers would. All our opinions, all our beliefs, everything that we have been taught to be reality, to be truth, instantly changes by this act of love. A few years ago, Tom Hanks played Mr. Rogers in a movie called A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, which is based on an interview that took place by a journalist from Esquire magazine. And so the movie, the story, is about how they interact. Tom Hanks, in one of his uh, interviews about the movie, about the character, talks about Mr. Rogers and his kindness Tom Hanks said, Mr. Rogers was proactively an agent of change with kindness because, he said, kindness is not the default of humanity. At least it doesn't seem to be the default setting that we are currently in. And so what we see through this story, through this interaction of of a reporter who doesn't really believe in Mr. Rogers, who, like me, maybe never really exposed himself to Mr. Rogers, never understood what the big deal was. But the more this reporter interacts with Mr. Rogers, the more it is less about the interview. And it's more about 
the relationship. Bill was right. You love people like me. What are people like you? I've never met anyone like you in my entire life. Broken people. I don't think you were broken. Would you do something with me, Lloyd? It's an exercise I like to do sometimes. We'll just take a minute and think about all the people who loved us into being. I I can't do that. They will come to you. Just one minute of silence. Thank you for doing that with me. I feel so much better. So, who is a good neighbor? Jesus asks. The lawyer's response tells us a couple things out of maybe many. And it's been said before that the lawyer says what he says because he can't bring himself to say Samaritan. And that tells us that there's still an obstacle there. But at the same time, whereas the lawyer could have said anything, he chooses to say the one who showed Mercy. What that tells us is that Jesus' story, Jesus' presence, Jesus' interaction, Jesus not only changes the default, Jesus not only changes the setting, Jesus changes the lawyer. 
Who was a good neighbor? The one who showed mercy. It tells us that the lawyer understands because he's been changed. Who is our Samaritan? Who do we need to be a neighbor to us? As I was learning more about Mr. Rogers and as I was researching him, I thought his power was that he really believed what he was saying. But the more I came to know Mr. Rogers in the last several days, the more I came to realize that he has doubts just like all of us. He doubted himself. He doubted his mission, his purpose. He doubted if what he taught was going to last. He wondered if what he was doing was really making a difference. And so I realized his power wasn't his belief. It wasn't his confirmation that what he was doing was right. It was the reality that he needed others to be his neighbor. I mean, he said it every single time. Won't you be my neighbor? Because the beauty of the story is not the fact that a Samaritan came and helped someone. The beauty of the story is when we let others be our neighbor for us, that we show that vulnerability, that we are in need of saving as much as the mission for us to go and to be a part of saving others. Won't you be my neighbor? Thank you for being a part of this worship service. You have helped make this service a special service just by being you. There is no one else in the entire world just like you. And we love you just the way you are. This is what it means not just to be a good neighbor, but to receive a good neighbor. So may we all go knowing what it means to be loved. May we let others love us. And may we show the love of God to the world. And until we meet again, let us go in peace. Amen.